Hi, we're Cardigan Academy, your helpers for all things mental health, parenting, and education. I'm Devani. And I'm Stacy. And today we're talking about Richard Schwartz. Richard Schwartz. I always stumble a little over that. Schwartz. I have trouble with R's with um, like rural. <laughs> I hate saying oh, that. Oh, yeah. Rural. I sh- maybe I need a little bit of speech therapy. <laughs> rural. Rural. Now I'm going to think too hard about it. It's like, uh, how do you say February? Is that one? No, that one's fine. February. Okay. It's just spelled weird. Yeah. I can look at a word and know that I almost think a beat because I'll know it's a word that sometimes my mouth doesn't want to participate with. And then <laughs> I'll like have a moment of like reminding myself of that, which can almost make it worse. Uh, because we, I think you and I both like, right? Gra- Do you like graphic novels too? Mm-hmm. I, I love them. Um, and also following that artist Mardu for her that come that'll be part of today i'm sure it'll come yeah. up but as you were saying that i was picturing this in a comic form where like devony's eyes see the word devony's brain is like that's such and such a word and this is what it sounds like and your mouth's like nope not participating <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then my brain is like come on please <laughs> your mouth is shaking its head yeah it's like no not today. <laughs> Or maybe I'll do part of it, not the rest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say it my way. So this is um, a continuation of our expert series with Richard Schwartz. Oh, there you go. Now my mouth's like, I'm ready. (laughs) Uh, Good job, mouth. (laughs) Being the expert on his life work, right? Internal family systems. Yeah, I'm so grateful to him for what he came up with here because it has helped me personally tremendously and we use this uh in our work with clients quite a bit actually i feel like if if there is hmm i have to think about this because in all that we do here whether we're working with a client one-on-one or in a small group we always there's always this mental health thread running through it Mm -hmm. and so sometimes it might be like aspects of cognitive behavioral therapy or, you know, calming anxiety. And there's always like a trauma informed thread. But I think if I had to pick like one modality, like what comes up the most and probably because we work with so many people who are healing past traumas and breaking cycles and all these things, I I would say it's it's Richard Schwartz's internal family systems. Yeah, especially because there's like this shorthand for it that allows us to talk about it. So I might not be doing an official session with you, but I can tell in a conversation with you or with anyone in my life Mm -hmm. when a part is stepping up and you and I can 
use that to describe what's happening to us. We're not going through the whole process that you would with your therapist, but but we have the language to explain what's happening psychologically, I guess, in our everyday interactions. Yeah, and I think what I like about it is exactly what you're saying is that it's, you know, deep trauma work should always be done with a professional who's trained in it and in the safety of that um, because it can be pretty grueling it can be very triggering it can be very uh energizing in a in a good way but also it can go wonky like too so activating yes yes and yeah. so having the professional there who's been trained who knows how to you know bring you back down and keep you safe and i've experienced this you know that's really really important um and then like you said this it's like something you can sort of refer to the shorthand you can do anytime and i so what i like about it is that to me it it takes what i've done in the in the session with my therapist and it continues on like you know i've done talk therapy before and in between sessions you think and process and write and journal and all that stuff is also kind of making that session continue throughout your daily life and in between and all that it's the same kind of idea except specifically with parts I don't know for me it's been almost like a I didn't realize I was practicing it but it's practice because mm -hmm. I'm getting quicker and better at recognizing it and using it and I think that honestly it's one of the things I love about working together and working with the people with whom we work because so many of them are interested in this that it comes up so casually in conversation where we sometimes need those reminders that oh this sounds like a part and i don't know it's it's just it's getting more uh more natural mm -hmm. yeah yeah just like if you were practicing meditation in between your therapy sessions it would or anything that we cover mm -hmm. in our therapy 101 mini clue it's like all of these things that you do in conjunction with therapy that can help elevate the healing that you're getting with your therapist not replace it not diy but yeah the things you're doing in between and the way we always describe it when we're talking about working with us is it's like seeing a nutritionist or a personal trainer you're still going to go to your doctor for your medical care but all of this stuff contributes to good health mm -hmm. and so if you think about that same then with mental health mm -hmm your therapist equals your primary care physician, but then we're helping you make sure you're doing everything you can to make sure everything's running as best as it can. Yeah, and supporting you and encouraging you and, you know, doing the work alongside you too mm -hmm. and sharing our journeys and helping you with resources. Like, yeah, like a personal trainer at the gym or something, you know, but for your, yeah. for your mind and brain and soul. Yeah, and not like yelling at you. I don't know if trainers yell at people, but I always <laughs> imagine that like, I don't want that. It is not boot camp. It's like if Mr. Rogers ran a boot camp. <laughs> yeah, because your trainer's like not doing it alongside you, right? I guess it's, yeah, it's like they're going to tell There's... you what to do and watch you do it and watch your form. We're not doing that. We're not coming into your home and watching your interactions with your kids. We are processing the day together later mm -hmm. or maybe like here's something that's been coming up how's the way i could handle it but we're like you said we're doing it alongside them and not it doesn't feel like critiquing or grading in any way it's, it's more like so not yeah 
a com the community part of it. Yeah, it really is. Like I, there's an example just this week, um, we're currently doing our gentle parenting class and you know, it's that, it's that in between stuff that happens with Cardigan Academy. And so we always have like ongoing chats and stuff with our clients. And, you know, one, one morning I, I woke up, I was getting into my work on my computer and there was a message from in our group chat from you to one of our clients saying, Hey, I was thinking about a situation you mentioned with your kids and here are a couple things I thought of, and they were really, really good ideas on how she could handle exactly what she was talking about. So even though we talked in the parenting class about it, our, our brains keep thinking and grabbing resources and links and articles and apps and, and also sharing thoughts in between. And I think that it's that personal, it's what I wish we had from like doctors and dentists and but I understand people yeah. get super busy. So I feel like we're that support, uh, scaffolding that should exist for everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. So we should probably back up, I guess, for, I, yeah. I'm sure, I know a lot of people listening know what we're saying when we say parts and maybe even, you know, Richard Schwartz and, and all this stuff. But so what we're talking about is something called internal family systems. Um, sometimes the shorthand for that is IFS. Um, and it's... Wait a minute. Was that at your house or my house? That was a motorcycle out here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to back up and... I don't know. I kind of love it. <laughs> a motorcycle just went by. We're real humans. <laughs> and we have really distracted brains. I know. So then we're like, you're hearing it. And then we know that many people who listen and work with us are also have neurodivergent Yeah, like we have brain. to acknowledge it because... We know you all heard it. <laughs> we know you all heard it. And then you didn't hear what we said. <laughs> uh, okay. Every time that happens, I flash to uh, almost any time I've been at a coffee shop to like write with friends or talk with somebody. I immediately picture that I'm smiling, looking at the person right in front of me. I'm having a conversation with them, but because the lady two tables over is loud and there's kind of an interesting story going on, boy, it's taking all my focus. And you would think it would be easier to concentrate on what's right in front of you. Nope. <laughs> and if like lyrics are playing to songs that I'm very familiar with, forget it. Like I'm toast. <laughs> that happens with my husband with the conversations. Like I, he literally gets just this slightly different look on his face. And I know <laughs> that he's listening to someone else. <laughs> there he goes. He's no. off. <laughs> He's somewhere else. <laughs> I used to, as well, this is kind of different. It wasn't so, maybe it was being distracted. Maybe it's undiagnosed neurodivergence. I don't know. Sometimes it's interesting to think about all we know now, but think yeah. back on being a kid and what our parents, like, if they knew what we know now, would there be certain diagnoses or explanations for things? So sometimes I think there is neurodivergence or or trauma effects or something with both my parents. But um, whether it's that or just, you know, not listening, which is possible too. But there were times where I felt very not listened to and I would be like mid story and it would be like my, like I remember times with my mom, she'd just like completely like walk in 
like do something else, look away, walk away. And I'm like in the middle of talking. So I would start, I would start throwing in ridiculous things like, and then her hair was on fire while, because she was smoking marijuana and then it caught her hair on fire. And like, I would try to see what ridiculous things I could say before she would notice I'm still talking here. And yeah. <laughs> That's a fun game. <laughs> okay. Future plans. We, um, when we do like cardigan academy out and about segments you and i will go have like the most ridiculous conversations at a restaurant <laughs> to see how many people we can pull from their own conversation so we'll just talk you mean yeah so what you're saying is we'll just talk <laughs> oh, i'm really sorry richard schwartz <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening <laughs> the other night uh you and i were on a call and I was, it wasn't like a formal work thing. So I'm just sitting on the couch in the living room. And so my husband's there. He can hear, you know, part of the conversation doing his thing or whatever. And I can't remember what we were talking about, but you were trying to figure out, I think maybe Rob had gone to bed mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure out when. And I'm like, well, he was just in here talking about X, Y, Z. And my husband looks over and says, that was an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> so there's also that time yeah. blindness of like we're having so much fun like that was an hour ago yeah that's amazing <laughs> that he knew that <laughs> he's so much better about that than i am it's good mm. one of us is <laughs> because yeah. i'll be like why am i hungry again didn't we just eat lunch and mark looks at the clock it's like it's been five hours like oh really like i've cl absolutely clueless like <laughs> Oh, so uh, internal family systems. <laughs> yeah. He also goes by Dick Schwartz, and he is he has his PhD. Yeah, he's a he's a psychotherapist, and he he uh, came up with this in the '80s, which is that's always interesting to me too. Is when a modality yeah. like comes about. He's in his 70s now, and I was listening to an interview, and I'll recommend that and i'll even link to a particularly mm. uh really good podcast that i always recommend people listen to he's interviewed on a podcast but then he actually does a session with the podcast host and oh, yeah trigger warning for some assault stuff but it is really interesting to hear him talk about it and then hear it being done almost by someone that was a little i don't want to say he was skeptical but I think the host ended up being surprised at how quickly it worked for him. Mm. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I will I will link to that, and I apologize. I don't know off the top of my head the name of the, the podcast. When I was listening to the interviews recently and prepped for this, he referred to it as when he was young. So he's in his 70s now, but he talks about, I think he said he was 32 when he... Wow. He calls it discovered, you know, it's like mm -hmm. through his work with clients. The best way to describe it is we all will say things like, I feel like there's a part of me that doesn't <laughs> want to go on this trip, right? I feel like there's a part of me that is resistant to this new job. So we can all relate to that. And it's that same concept. And it's the fact that we all have parts within ourselves that sometimes are in more control than 
the best version of ourselves, which is actually referred to as self with a capital S in internal family systems. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I now, it's funny that you bring that up because I don't know if you and I have actually ever had this specific conversation about when people say, I feel like there's a part of me, but mm. maybe we have, maybe we've talked about this with clients, but that is such a thing people say very normally, yeah. very colloquially, colloquially. Now my, my mouth is joining your, your mouth. They're, they're having a meal <laughs> at a restaurant and we are not there. <laughs> they are distracted. Um, it's just part of our lexicon. People just say this. It's a, it's a phrase. It's an idiot. People say these things, mm -hmm. but now it's like, I hear it with whole new ears. Like, it's almost like, I know that's just a saying, but now I'm thinking of it almost more literally. And even when I say literally, it's still sort of figuratively, but like more concretely, I guess. Yeah. Because. The, uh, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the other side of that coin is someone with what they used to call multiple personality disorder, right? Which is, what's it called? DID now, dissociative, yeah. dissociative identity, disorder? identity. Is that mm -hmm. it? So there's also this, um, maybe that's where some of the resistance comes. What do you mean I'm going to do parts work? I don't have split personalities or I don't have personalities <laughs> that take control. And, I, and then I don't remember things I've said. And even Dr. Schwartz had that. I don't want to say resistance, but he, he was working with a client and starting to see what was happening and wondering a little bit if it was that and then realizing, okay, so if DID is like severe trauma, parts taking it to mm -hmm. the extreme, but we all have this, then it, it does become something that is a modality that works for anyone. Yeah. And, and, you know, for most people, the, the more extreme that you're mentioning is, is more rare, you know, and usually, usually comes from extreme trauma, though there are exceptions to that. But um, I've, I understand too, that there's like a, a trend right now, kind of, or there has been on TikTok or something among young people and people are kind of running with this DID thing and parts and naming it. And I think there are some people out there who might be seeing this and it's, you know, there's there's so much good mental health stuff on out there that we learn about ourselves and others through these things. Yeah. It, it, there's also that danger of when it gets someone runs with it maybe too far or too much, and it's the part where you really this should be with a professional. And mm -hmm. are they self-diagnosing on? Yeah, there's. TikTok? I guess there's a lot of adolescents, particularly that are like self-diagnosing, and they're like naming these parts and and okay. like different. Nate, like Joan and Louise and like there's like different yeah. personalities and if anybody listening is from our generation back in the when did that movie come out I think 1980 and and maybe even people after you know if you weren't a kid at that time maybe you've still heard of this but there was a movie in the 19. I want it was I want to say it was maybe even 79 or 80 but it was Sally Field who is so lovely. I just I love her. I always have. I like grew up watching Gidget and the Flying Nun and like I just love her. She's adorable. She's kind of like the Zoe Deschanel of, you know, the 50s and 60s but and she's still doing stuff. I think she's in that new movie with uh Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin 
um, she's like of that age, and I just, I love them. So she played in this movie called Sybil. Was it a book, too? I think maybe. I don't remember, but I... I feel like I read the book, oh. but I don't think I've ever seen the movie. Based on when the movie came out and when I likely saw it, I think I was way too young to be watching this, mm. and it kind of scarred me. And there's been a lot of criticism since about, you know, this isn't how it really is and didn't portray right. it. Or, or maybe it was criticism about... It was based on a, I think it was based on a true story. And then there were some question marks there about the person's experience. But it was called Sybil. And Sally Field plays a woman. And she plays all the different, it's a, you know, back then, like you said, multiple personality disorder. And she plays a woman with all these different personalities. And she's so, she's such an amazing actress. And she's so convincing. And it just, I don't know, like it kind of just stayed with me not in the best like it, it it almost in my feelings memory feels almost like a remember I was a kid but like mm -hmm. like a horror movie kind of mm -hmm. like it was just so scary and and because I saw that young and because it stuck with me and then I'm in therapy learning about parts work and dissociating and different things you know yeah. right away I'm like oh no not like is it right. like simple but no it's that's not that's, again, a very, very, very extreme uh, version of it, which I don't want to minimize for the people who do experience that kind of severe dissociation. Mm -hmm. um, it's that that is that can be life altering uh, and incredibly difficult and definitely needs, you know, professional help. Um, but these we all have it to some degree. We all have these parts because. Mm -hmm. What is it that uh, one of our Kloopies said they heard from a professor and it stuck with them is that childhood is inherently traumatic. Mm -hmm. So even if you've grown up in the best family and emotional safety and all that stuff, we still experience things. And when we experience those things, big T or little T traumas or series of traumas or whatever, neglect, any of those things, that's kind of where the, the parts can break off and form. It's sort of like what we've talked about before many times on the podcast about whether you call it a coping mechanism or a trauma response or a knee jerk, like... It's that thing you do without really thinking about it that every once in a while when you pay attention and notice it and are mindful of it, you realize, oh, this is something I've been doing my whole life when such and such a thing happens. And it's a protective mm -hmm. mechanism. So it helped you survive something, but maybe now it's not serving you as well. Mm -hmm. And what Richard Schwartz does is he he his his method here is so effective because it sort of personifies those parts into a younger version of ourselves a child it's us mm -hmm. and that that took me a little bit to wrap my mind around like i'm talking and comforting myself but a younger, younger version yeah because when you say oh it's a it's a part it's like you are the work i've done with the therapist with this is i you you do imagine it as its own separate entity but also it's you <laughs> so a lot of the things my therapist has done which has included hypnosis emdr different things like that as we've done parts work when we recognize the part and figure out about how old the part is and stuff i'm now in my mind's eye and as we do this work me my in my most centered i'm here i'm feeling good self mm -hmm letting this little part of me so this i'm picturing it like i'm putting my arm around 
a, a child, but the child is me. <laughs> that took took a bit to wrap my head around that. We are Cardigan Academying younger versions of us. Yes, yes, and and it's such a beautiful process, and it's I I think one of the things I love about it is that. You're right. It is Cardigan Academy, right? It's gentle and it's kind and it's loving and it's affirming and it's empathetic and it's it's not boot. Like we were saying earlier, it's not boot camp. It's you know there are some processes out there that might involve you know tell that tell that part of you like sit down and you're in charge and like that wouldn't work for me at all that makes it worse because now i'm actually now i am triggered and agitated because there's tension and yelling and that's scary to me that's not an environment conducive to healing and learning and processing yeah i think he even talks about that i hope i'm getting this correct but he talks about a a client he had that was self-harming and that they were approaching it as tell this part not to do this to you again oh like punishing or yeah almost like i'm gonna be firm Mm. this stops now Mm -hmm. and that that doesn't work you have to um approach it with compassion no matter what the part is because some of these parts are hard to love Mm -hmm. they're doing things like stacy said to protect us but it, be, it can be counterintuitive to the things we're trying to accomplish now as adults, and it can be really frustrating. It can sound a lot like people who were abusive to us, mm-hmm. almost like these parts are like, I'm going to do it to myself first, because if I get hard on myself about making a mistake, then no one else can come in and tell me that I was wrong. Or if they do, it's not going to hurt as much because I've already hurt myself doing it. Yep. Yeah. And the parts even interact. That's why it's... It's like an internal family. That's why it's called that. So if you imagine like family therapy, this mm-hmm. is like doing that internally. And I, I do. I, I've had parts interact in sessions. Mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds out there, but when you experience it or if you listen to it being done, it's it it makes so much more sense. But so even the frustrating parts, you're going to like that self-harm part you would approach with compassion of, I understand you are doing this because there was a time in our life where the pain was too much and you were you know, doing this to alleviate some of that. Mm-hmm. And then you reassure that part that the adult you that is healing is in control now and can mm-hmm. come in and do something instead. And that's so that's a big, big piece of this because I think I was always good at knowing why I acted or thought certain ways. But what IFS did for me with a therapist was kept me accountable for seeing it with compassion instead of trying to like dig my heels in even further to resist some of these behaviors because it's it just reminds me of everything we talk about in the parenting loop. Like the more control you try to have, mm-hmm. the more your kids are going to rebel. And if they're not doing it now when they're younger, they're going to do it when they're older. Mm-hmm. At some point, they're going to they're they're going to rebel against that control. And so, we advise, you know, giving them as much freedom as possible within reason. And and it's that same sort of approach of compassion is the word that always always comes to mind because i 
I can specifically remember a session where I was really annoyed. To give you an example, I have a part that likes to over explain. So um, my emotions weren't validated. And now she comes in to explain why we feel the way we feel and why that's valid. And if, if someone else outside of me doesn't believe that, she's like, I always imagine her like writing a dissertation about why why our anger is valid or why our sadness is valid. And and she doesn't have to do that, right? Like I, as adult Devaney through Carding and Academy, honor all emotions of myself. So when I start going down this road of, and another thing, like mentally in my head, right? Like, <laughs> and then he did this. And, and, and I can't believe that this happened. Like the audacity is, that's, that's her voice, right? Then I can just reassure her that, we don't have to start it's almost it feels like a spiral to me we don't have to mm -hmm. like get stuck in explaining why we feel the way we feel we can cut to the chase and say yep remember capital s self devony all feelings are valid now you don't have to do this action anymore so let's get right to like feeling those feelings processing them in a healthy way and moving on yeah that's a really good example and you illustrated it so well <laughs> and i was thinking as you said and then she shows up and that was the part my brain struggled with like she but she is me <laughs> and you don't even know sometimes you're just doing the thing but mm -hmm. um that's a, a question that comes up often with this is like well how do i know when it's capital s self or a part it feels different in your body yeah the, the term my therapist uses for me when I'm having a hard time sussing it out, like I might be kind of activated and, and this has gotten way better now because of therapy and because of so many years of healing, thank goodness. But I would be like, okay, but I, oh, like this makes me this and I'm this and because you're still validating your feelings. And so sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to tell if this is me or if this is a part, da, 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 you know, and, and he can see it in me, right? Cause he's mm -hmm. been working with me for a long time and he'll be like, think you're blending right now and so the word he uses is blending yeah and that's when like we the, that's when the part kind of takes over it drives the bus is the way i always describe it yeah we're all in the bus and on my best days i'm driving the bus yes. adult self devony but sometimes someone's like right on my shoulder like being a backseat driver and yes. now i feel a little bit like i'm i'm distracted and i'm not entirely focusing on the road and what's best for us Right. And then, and then the times when one of them just like, here, move. And then now they're driving. What feels confusing to us is we're still in that bus traveling. So it feels like, well, okay, but well, we're moving here. So isn't this me? Mm -hmm. And that's when the blending happens. And, you know, it took a lot of times in a therapist's office for me with a therapist noticing it, pointing it out, helping me unblend. Like that's not something I could have done on my own. Right. But all these times of doing it in the office and then sort of slowly figuring out how to do it at home or how to know, or even to notice it. Cause I used yeah. to not notice it. So for me, it was like anxiety or panic or something kind of taking over. And now I'm, I've, I'm in the spiral. It's like, a, it's taken over. It's, it's, it's swirling with me it's it's sucked me in kind of thing and now with this knowledge and practice when i notice that happening which is what that was the part i didn't have before i didn't notice it happening so 
this was just, you know, Tuesday. Like this yeah. was just what happened. And now it's like, I can sort of see like, oh, you know what? I think a part is he here and I think it's blending. And it is that old stuff. Like it's, it's something has brought up something, right? It's something has gotten triggered here, has reminded me of something that was scary at some time in my life. And here comes this part, very much wanting to protect me from being hurt. And so they're going to use their coping mechanism. And now if they're taking over, I'm not in my best self. So, so for me noticing if it was me or a part, it took me a long time to realize that when it's me and my therapist helped point this out when it's me. Okay. Let me back up because in our sessions, he would both point out, Oh, look, I think there's a part and there's some blending here. And also we would have times where he would point out as I shared something with that he's just got this wonderful like smile and twinkle in his eye and he would look at me and say okay and kind of nod and say this sounds like this is coming from you Stacy your centered best self so he would point out both and granted that centered healthy Stacy took a while <laughs> it wasn't right away but you know she's I'm here more often and so now there's a contrast between yeah. when a part has blended and when I'm in my most centered self. And so now I ask that question less often. There's still moments of, is this me or is this a part? Because I'm, you're right, you feel it in your body. So if you're feeling good, happy, open, not like manic and not unsure and insecure, you're, you feel this like confidence and, and connection to yourself and the world around you and people around you in a good way. That's you. That's your highest self. Yeah. Do you want me to read the the words? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the eight. You want to explain what those are? Yeah. Before I do that, I just want to say that what you're describing is exactly my experience. Like we get better at it. Mm -hmm. Again, it's really hard to like explain to someone that hasn't experienced it, but it's it's like life changing. I mean, it really is. It's that's not even hyperbolic to say that mm -hmm. like it is life changing in the best way. The other thing I wanted to say was that you start noticing it in others, too. Mm -hmm. So when you know someone really well, you start to notice when it's not them. I mean, even when you're describing it, I'm like thinking back to points in my life where I myself or someone else has done something that like, I kind of get stuck on, like, I can't believe they did that. It, chances are mm. it was a part. It's not that this person didn't choose to do that. But I have more compassion even for others in knowing, yes. hey, this person has a really hard time being wrong. That was unsafe at some point in their life. And if I accuse them of something, that's going to trigger that. And now I'm no longer working with the best version of this person. Yeah. And it's not like, a well, they're just going to have to get over it because everyone's wrong and everyone needs to take constructive mm -mm. criticism. No, this is a part. So I can look at that as like, I can still express how I feel to this person, but I'm not going to do it in a way that's like, why did you X, Y, Z? Right. And and what you're saying reminds me too, that this is, this is very much like for anybody listening who is also familiar with Gabor Mate and what he says about how you know people are walking around with trauma and we're carrying trauma and that's what's at the root of like all like no one 
really sets out to do bad things or make poor choices, that's uh, maybe a part that, it, like it goes along with this, right? It's a maybe it's a part that took over or there, there's I feel like Gabor Mate and Richard Schwartz and and what they talk about go hand in hand. And like you're saying, the compassion for others. I can't even listen to a news story anymore mm-hmm. without wondering about what trauma is in the background, what's affecting their brain, like neurologically, physiologically, yeah. physically, and also is there a trauma component? Is there something, what is this bringing up for the person? Like you said, when when we say, oh my gosh, why would anybody do such a thing? I often just wonder like, well, what's at the root of that? Because no one wants, no one wants to live a miserable life full of bad choices. You know, mm-hmm. that's nobody does. And, and so if we keep just like constantly looking at everything in a punitive way, and I'm not saying there doesn't need to be accountability and responsibility and all that kind of stuff. We function in a society. I get it, but I just think we need so much Let me rephrase that. It's not I think. We do. We need more compassion, more understanding, and more of this kind of thinking in our criminal justice. I don't know what to call it. Like in our social systems, we need more of this because our – I'm really like sick to my stomach about how we handle crime in this country, in the United States, and prisons – just none of it is none of it's trauma informed and we know there's a high level of uh, mental health issues among prisoners and and so stuff like that i hear stuff in the news i think about richard schwartz and gabor Mate and all these different things and i immediately start wondering what's it's that what's that it's the book right instead of what's wrong with you the question we need to ask is what happened to you i, th- I believe that's bruce perry's book but what happened to you mm-hmm. um yeah so so this work that Richard Schwartz does, this internal family systems, like I, I like how earlier you said, it's, it's like family therapy, but with mm-hmm. a bunch of parts of yourself, because that's exactly what it is. It's an mm-hmm. integrated psychotherapy approach. It is whatever you're picturing for family therapy, you're applying it to you and all these younger parts of you that are looking out for you. I always have to remind myself, they, they mean well, they're helping yeah. me, they care about me, but they just, they all have their own different sub-personalities and they're own viewpoints and qualities. Um, but that's what Richard Schwartz does. He takes, he applies what you do in a setting with a family in family therapy and their interactions with each other to understand how they bounce off each other, affect each other and how they're organized and applies it to our, what we call parts. Mm -hmm. The words to know that you're working from that best version of you, that self, that you're driving the bus <laughs> yes when you feel <laughs> compassion curiosity courage clarity creativity connectedness confidence and calm so those are eight c's wait wait real quick i want to say these eight c words we always joke because we can't we don't have the list memorized but we know a lot of them off the top of our heads from talking about this so much but i you know we often refer to the list and we always say, you know, it's all those good C words like compassion and connected and all this stuff. And so this is like my, this is just my quirky side comment because nothing's off topic and this is what we do. But so whenever I think of those eight really good quality C words, I'm like, oh, internal family systems. And years ago, my husband and I took a cooking class in Lidditz and it was about cooking Indian food. And 
I remember watching her, the woman teaching the class was just so like, one of those people just like, and you put in some of this and you put in some of that and you throw in this, like it was so, or it was so passionate and organic and unmeasured. And I sort of loved that, but then I'm like, but then how do you know? And so what I noticed and what she talked about is, <laughs> this is like a running joke in our family. When we are cooking Indians food and if, you know, we can use a recipe, but if we're just sort of winging it, like, what are the seasonings again? I'm like, okay, if it starts with C, it probably goes in there. It's like cumin and coriander. And like, it's like all the, there's a lot of C uh, seasonings that go into Indian cooking. <laughs> so I always think of this, like good C words is internal family system. And a lot of C word seasonings go into Indian cooking. And that's your <laughs> extra tidbit for today. <laughs> You're welcome. When Evelyn was little, we would watch Rachel Ray cook, and Evelyn just got really into the term eyeball it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just imagining what that sounds like to, like, a four-year-old, you know? <laughs> You're just going to eyeball it. <laughs> or just someone else learning English when it's not their first language. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, and... And these, this list of C words too, it helps us know when we're in our best, we're being our best selves and when those around us are being their best selves. Like you said, we can notice when parts show up. I think it also helps us notice when the, someone is doing, I, I see this in our clients, when as we see them grow and they're noticing it too and their friends are noticing it, which is just so rewarding um, and so wonderful. It's those C words where you're like, wow, look at you, you, mm -hmm. you are centered, you are confident, you are like, you're driving the bus, this is you, this is you, your best self. And it's not a thing where like, okay, check, you did IFS, and now you're always driving the bus and centered. No, because it's life and stuff mm -hmm. comes up and it's still gonna trigger those old parts. But what you're doing is strengthening that self and doing the work and healing these younger parts so that more often than not, it's you driving the bus. It's you feeling centered. And that when those things do come up, you're aware of them and know better how to navigate it, which is exactly what Richard Schwartz, this is how he came up with this, right? He was in sessions with clients and he would notice sometimes that people would say, I feel like I have this part of me or we have this, just like you said. Mm -hmm. And what he would notice is that they, these parts, quote unquote, the person was upset, agitated, that these parts were troublesome and lashing out when they were unattended to. Mm -hmm. That's crucial, right? Yeah. And, and they became more receptive and calmer when they were acknowledged and when their needs were addressed, which is what we talk about in our parenting class, which is what we talk about in trauma work. I, I recently shared a meme on the wellness point and you never know what's gonna go viral. You have no idea. But the other day I, I gasped out loud when I checked on, you know, I was just checking on the page and I said, oh, whoa, like, and even today it's even more, there's a meme going crazy viral. Like it's, it's I, I'm, I sit there and watch the number tick up. I don't know who shared it, what's going on, but it's really resonating with people. And it's very simple, very short. And what it says is that self-sabotaging behaviors are often an unmet need. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. That's what trauma work is. That's what this is, is like it, you, th we think the answer sometimes is punish the child, punish the criminal, you know, be hard get, on them. 
firmer with ourselves, buckle down. Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes that makes it worse. Like you, like you said about with parenting, it can, it can make a power struggle worse, create a power struggle. You wouldn't necessarily, it may seem counterintuitive. I, I look forward to the day. This is not counterintuitive to all of us, but connecting compassion like when we do those things and i'm gonna say i wh whether it's with ourselves with our children with others we're talking about having connectedness and compassion at a time that is not easy to feel it because we are set off we're angry we're upset and you can feel your feelings and also work on this connectedness this compassion this curiosity to soften that and have that more gentleness so that healing can happen the one thing I want to say about that is whether it's us interacting with a child as a parent or with ourselves, another thing that IFS did for me was to show me I don't always have to make a decision in the moment. So I'm going to use an example where I am looking at these eight C words, right? I recently had to make some medical decisions, which is triggering for me going through what we did with our daughter's death and and medical decisions needed to be made in a certain time frame in that situation. And so now here I am 11 years later making medical choices for myself and it brings up some of that stuff. And so am I feeling clarity, confidence, calm? Mm. No, I'm not. <laughs> but do I need to make the decision about this today? No, I don't. And so I was able to work with that triggered state, recognize it, care for it, be compassionate to it so that later I could tell when I was mm -hmm. in a better place to like make a measured decision about things. And we can do that with our parenting and with our kids too. Mm -hmm. So your child does something, you're angry about it. Maybe that's not the time to work on the, the connectedness. Right. If you need to walk away and take a breath and come back, this is literally what we did with that client that I messaged. I was mm -hmm. giving them an example of what this might look like on a day where you haven't already yelled because now you're both mm -hmm. activated. I literally said, maybe the next time XYZ happens, here's what it would look like to approach it with connection. Yeah, and what you told her was just, it was perfect. and. I, that the time where we can be connected, that's why there's it, sometimes it's repair work with others, with our kids, with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we are getting better at doing it in the moment, which does happen with our parenting as well, because now we that's why doing the work for ourselves. Yeah. Doing the work ourselves is so important also to parenting, because when we're in a better place, we're not triggered as often. So we're not going to get frustrated with our kids as often mm -hmm. because uh, a lot of times when we do get set off with our kids, not always, but a lot of times, it is often more to do with something of that's going on with us. Mm -hmm. And and we're like, well, what's that about? And when we can work on that, we can be there for our kids better too. Now, look, people do stuff too, like cause, because maybe one of their parts has popped up. So you can see the interaction of all this. I know that one caveat I wanna say is anybody who's thinking about doing trauma therapy, which we highly recommend, and, and getting the, doing this work, um, I wanted to say, I wish someone had told me that it gets worse before it gets better as you start to delve into this. 
so that you don't feel like, oh, no, I'm getting worse. I shouldn't have done this. Um, I should have waited. I, I remember thinking, I want to do this work so that I can be the best version of myself for my kids. But then I worried about doing the work with while parenting kids, because now, like, what if I'm not doing very well or this mix this like opens up Pandora's box and now I'm agitated and I remember thinking oh shoot I shouldn't have done this but no it is good that I did it plus I talked with my kids very openly about this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm talking about with my therapist I just I remember one time early on in his office him asking me about what was going on with the parts and the work (laughs) there was such a visual image in my mind of like little versions of me that were like little hellions and I was I was a really good kid but like I was not a rambunctious you know I was just a rule follower and all this stuff but in that moment in his office these little versions of me I was like I I looked at him and I said what have I done I've opened Pandora's box I can't close it and he's like well what's going on I'm like what's going on one is swinging from the ceiling fan one is climbing the curtains the other one's trying to get out the back door there the other one's messing up all the stuff on your desk like that's what it felt like it felt like I I sometimes say if talk therapy is oh you need a band-aid trauma therapy is like brain surgery like you're getting in there and it felt like we really went in there so of course the parts got agitated and now we do the healing work um so just know that if it does get a little worse before it gets better that can be pretty typical for a lot of people yeah and i would caution anyone to hesitate for the perfect time because we're never gonna have the perfect time right i'm never gonna have a year to set aside and so just so you know i i trauma work probably eight years ago. I spent this past year doing it again with a different therapist. It w- it felt like a continuation. It wasn't like I was starting back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But there were like maybe two or three months where I had to be gentler with myself. I may yes. need to pull back from responsibilities a lot. I was still doing Cardigan Academy, still homeschooling, still teaching classes. So I just had to kind of look at my life and reprioritize some things. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I you know, wasn't able to function or work. I just maybe watched more movies or got more takeout. Or another good recommendation is come to Cardigan Academy mm-hmm. as you're doing it because that was really helpful. I would have a session with my therapist on a regular basis and then I was having our our times together, which were like um, accountability and additional clarity and healing mm-hmm. in conjunction with it, which works really well. Yeah, that's a really... That's a really good and important part. Uh, part. Listen to me. <laughs> That's a, I meant point. That's a really yeah. good and important point. And I, I know on the days that, especially if there was EMDR as part of this, and just generally, even if there wasn't, sometimes we were just kind of talking, and it was parts work essentially. And he would even point out, even though we didn't do EMDR hypnosis, we did a lot of hard work today. And yeah. I would, it got to where I was seeing him on Thursdays. We learned very quickly to not schedule anything for the rest of the day on Thursdays. And I I do see a lot of people do talk about this. If you're going to do this work, try to do it at a time. I would do it like later in like mid to late afternoon. And then I would come home and sometimes I fell asleep, which I'm not a nap taker, but I was Mm -hmm. that tired. I would sit in a dark room. It was and it was not at all depressing. If anything, it was like gently euphoric afterwards, like serene. Yes, yes. I always described it as a 
and I don't usually use like negatives to describe something, but I, I didn't know what to call it. But I said, this is a very much a not unpleasant feeling. Like it's, it was lovely. And mm -hmm. yeah, but it, it reminds me of the kind of tired you feel after spending the day in the sun. Yes. So like maybe you were swimming or walking on the beach yes. and your body is tired, but you feel good. Yes. That's a really, really, yes. It's a lot like that. And it's just, it's just very lovely. Like it's a, it's a beautiful feeling and it, but it is exhausting. It does, you know, wear you out. That list that you read of the eight C's, I, it's interesting to me that, well, hey, Cardigan Academy starts with C. Oh my word. I was always like, when we talk about this with our clients, we say, and to those eight words, we would also add gentle kindness, which I know is not a C word, but you know, it's that. Mr. Rogers part, but maybe we just call it Cardigan Academy. Yeah. <laughs> if you are interested in learning more about internal family systems, if you're already coming to some of our mini cloops, let us know. We're making our schedule for spring. We can always add something in. Um, and if, if you haven't worked with us through Cardigan Academy before, just know that we get into this a little bit deeper in everything we do with clients through our Cloops and mini cloops. Yeah, it's even in the chats in between, people will say, So I sat with my part and I comforted her, or, and I love that. I love because even when our clients share that with us, it, it's us reminding each other in that safe, emotionally safe community of the work we can do when we're struggling ourselves with each other in life. Um, you can gently, gently be compassionate with that part. And one other quick thought that I had as you were talking was. You know how we said, oh, this goes along with trauma and there's like this big picture thing. Another thing is when you said like we think, oh, be firm with it. But we talk about this kindness for those of us who grew up struggling, let's say, to set boundaries and we're people pleasers and all that kind of stuff. As we're learning to set boundaries, at first, setting boundaries can feel mean. It can feel harsh and unnatural. And I think even working with parts has helped me get better about setting boundaries because you know like you said about being firm I, I've had a couple of I've had a part in particular that was such a little such a stickler we were it just it wasn't budging with all the compassion and all the stuff and it doesn't mean you won't get there eventually you will but this one was tricky and my therapist helped me gently reassign this part like give it a different job for a little while to sort of like it's still doing something it's still there but i i was having i was struggling so hard to feel compassionate towards it because this one was kind of tough on me that we just gave it a different job so even that is like setting a boundary it's reassigning and it helps me know that setting boundaries isn't mean and isn't harsh that even that is like you can like there is a gentleness to everything that we do and that can even include boundaries. So all this working with parts is just, it goes into so many areas of our lives and relationships in so many amazing ways. So do you have an extracurricular? Yeah, I have been doing the puzzle that Dave bought both of us as a gift. Um, and I don't know the artist off the top of my head, but I will link to it in our post on Cardigan Academy for this episode. But it's 
extra fun because he bought one for each of us and so now we're doing it together but separate like simultaneous we're doing it simultaneously virtual parallel play <laughs> it's really fun i love it so sweet so thoughtful of him and it's fun that we get to do it together yeah how about you I do. So my extracurricular, and I don't, I'm going to be careful not to spoil things for you, is um, I recently shared some memes that I thought were really good. And the response to them tells me that they were really good on the Wellness Point Facebook page. And it was like pictures of someone speaking and then what he was saying. And it was about relationships. I didn't know who this guy was. I just was like, oh, these points he's making are really good. And that's why I shared it. But then everybody in the comments was like, oh, I love him. I love him. Oh, we're a huge, I'm such a huge fan. And oh, have you seen his special? And I was like thinking, I don't know who this is, even is, you know? Yeah. And so I got really interested because so many people were like, yeah, I know me too. We love him. Oh, we love his specials. And so people in the comments explained that he's a comedian. He's, um, he's Scottish. His name is Daniel Sloss. Uh, definitely, if this had a rating, it would be rated mature. Um, mm -hmm. but he has two Netflix specials they, he's a stand-up comedian, but he addresses things like relationships and mental health and grief and like some pretty big topics. Like he, he makes you laugh so much. And yet there's this depth to what he's saying. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really glad that I accidentally, <laughs> found out who this was and then what happened too is when I listened I immediately thought of my friend Benjamin first of all because Daniel Sloss looks like his boys he really does the whole time Mark Max and I are like that looks like Benjamin's boys and the sense of humor too so I reached out to him and I said I think you would really like this I had never heard of this guy but we watched it and we kept thinking you would like it he kind of reminds us of your boys and his sense of humor Anyway, he he watched it and then he wrote me and thanked me and he said, you are absolutely right. This is, uh, we are loving this. We've watched the first one and we love it. And and I think this is why I reached out to you and I was like, mm, how do you feel about dark humor? Yeah. And I just said, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something I would love to uh, eventually, uh, I won't spoil any of it, but I highly recommend people check it out uh, if you would like. It's on... Netflix? It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's Netflix. It's two specials. And it's really interesting because usually they're standalones. Yeah. But this is listed as one episode and then the next episode. Oh. And I know now that I've seen them both, I realize there are things he does in the first one that in the second one he refers to. And if you. I love that. Yes. And you should not watch them out of order. It sort of spoils the effect of some of the things he shares. Um, but they're wonderful. They'll make you laugh. They'll make you think. And yeah, I'm excited to, I'll watch it again totally with you. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited now too. If you're interested in learning more about parenting, education, and mental health from our therapist teacher team, check us out at cardiganacademy.com. And we are also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.